0: Amen. Hope that you will turn with me in a Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this morning we're going to be reading verses 12 to 26, focusing our attention on verses 14 to 26. I'll begin by posing this question. Do you know where you belong? Do you know where you belong? How would you answer that question? Would you point to your family background, your place of origin, a group, a political party, A philosophy, a worldview, a community, a church? Where do you belong? This is a pressing question in our contemporary setting. Because we're living in a time and a place where so many are longing to belong. But they don't know where they belong. Our God-given Craving, to want to be somewhere, to know who we are, to have a purpose, to have significance. To say, that those are my people, that's where I belong. We all want that. It's given by our creator. But in this time, in this place, so many don't know where to find it. And across the board, you can see this dynamic playing out. Civic groups, social groups, we're talking about outside the church now, are in a freefall. Groups like the Civitans, Rotary, Boy Scouts, all kinds of organizations and clubs that at one time played such a prominent place in American culture are struggling to survive if they haven't already gone into extinction. And the church, as an organization, as an institution, is not immune from this dynamic, is it? So where do you belong? I hope to show you that by God's grace, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, You can have a place in the church that God himself, through his son, Jesus Christ, has made a place for every sinner who repents and turns to him for salvation. You can have a place. And if you say, no, this is my church. I'm a church member here. If your sense of belonging to a church is reducible to sitting in a pew on Sunday morning and occasionally dropping an envelope in a plate, if that's the sum total of your belonging in a church, well, can you really say you belong? Is that it? Is that what it's all come to? Is that why Jesus shed his blood? Is that why God purposed from eternity this institution, the church? Composed of people from every tribe, nation, and tug, just so we could sit in a pew and occasionally drop an envelope into a plate. Oh, I hope that's not our view. I hope that's not our view. I hope that on the other side of this, you have a broader and a deeper appreciation for the church, capital C, and a broader and a deeper appreciation for the local church right here and what we're doing and the significance of what we're doing right now. So let's read together, beginning at verse 12, as we see the Apostle Paul describe the church as the body of Christ. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. With it. As we've seen over the last several weeks, Scripture uses a rich variety of images to describe the church, the people of God. We've seen it described as a family that we are born again by the Holy Spirit into, we've seen it described as a building, as a temple, that the church is not just a pile of bricks. That the church has shape, it has form, and that shape and form is given by the Spirit of God as the Spirit builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And here we see that the church is compared to the human body. So the logic here is plain and simple. All we have to do is look in the mirror to see this playing out, to understand what Paul is showing through the Holy Spirit about the nature of the church. But undergirding the plainness and the simplicity of the imagery, there is a deep, deep truth, and it's this. God's infinitely wise plan is to save people as individuals, To save people one life at a time. We get that part generally. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. You and you alone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I can't answer for you. Your parents can't answer for you. Your grandparents can't answer for you. There is no proxy faith. God's infinitely wise plan is to save People as individuals. But here's the part we don't get as much God also sanctifies people in community. In community. As the body, just as the human body has a variety of parts and members. And senses and functions, so also the body of Christ has this diversity and variety. God saves us one life at a time to bring us into community with other believers. And this is what sharpens us. We need to correct one another, even when it's uncomfortable. We need to love one another, yes, and encourage one another. We need to be there for one another, We need one another. Simple truth, but a deep, deep reality. We can get the logic. We understand that. But how are we at living it out? That's what we need to think about today. And we need to see how God, in his infinite wisdom, satisfies Our longing to belong through the church. Through the church. The answer is the church. Not just as an institution though. because It's because this is the body of Christ. This is where we encounter God. This is where we come to learn and to live into the reality of what God purchased for us on Calvary through the blood of Jesus. All empowered by the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to make us more holy, more like Jesus. That's what should be happening here. But of course, there's no perfect church. We know this. And I've heard it said, if you come across a perfect church, you shouldn't join because you'll ruin it. Get it? How true that is. Anything that human beings touch, anything that human beings are involved in, it's going to be tainted by sin. Do you realize that? But God in His infinite wisdom can accomplish His purposes despite our sin. And oh, how thankful we should be So we start with the thesis of the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians 12, and verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Just as we're all baptized by one spirit to form one body, no matter what your ethnic background is, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, we're all baptized in one spirit to form this one body, Christ Jesus We are the body of Christ to accomplish his purposes on earth until his return from heaven. That's the thesis. And just as the human body has a variety of parts, so also the body of Christ has diversity and and variety in it. This is all by God's design. So when we move into verses 14 to 17, here's what we're seeing. We're going to see two things that God doesn't want. Two things that God doesn't want. The first is what I'm going to call the inferiority complex. The inferiority complex. And it sounds like this. They don't need me. They don't need me. And this is where Paul brings in the imagery of the foot the foot says i guess i'm not a hand so i guess i don't belong after all they cover me up with footwear after all it's shoes i guess they don't need me i think of all the things you can do with your hands just try to check your phone with your feet see how that works out right well so the foot says okay well i guess i'm useless they don't need me i'll go elsewhere i don't belong the inferiority complex. And here's God's wise response to it. Every single part has been given a place in the body. Every single part, every single member has been given a place. The foot has a place, just as the hand has a place Here's what this looks like. People think, well, I guess because my prayers don't sound like her prayers or his prayers. Maybe they don't need my prayers. They don't need to hear my voice. I don't need to come to prayer meeting, for example. Because I don't know how to understand the Bible like that person. I just can't say it like she says it or he says it. I guess there's no place for me. We say, I don't know what my gift is. I guess there's no place for me. I feel like all I do is sit in a pew. I, don't, I guess there's no place for me. That's how people think in the church. Outside the church... It takes the form of, they don't need me because I have far better things to do on Sunday morning than to go to a building to sit around with a bunch of people and hear from an ancient book. They don't need me. There's no place for me in the church. So many think this way. But what we need to remember is that so often our limitations keep us from seeing our place in the body. Our limitations keep us from seeing our place in the body. We think because we lack this or that that we don't belong. And we may think it's a form of humility. Oh, they don't need me. You don't need me. But it's really prideful. It's really a form of pride. Because you, in effect, are saying God got it wrong. Take a hard look at verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, Just as he wanted them to be. And the transition there in verse 18, but in fact, is a strong, forceful transition. Paul is saying, okay, enough of the analogy, enough of the imagery. Here's reality. And the reality is, God has placed these parts, God has gifted you, God has limited you by his design. Yes, there are some things that God has withheld from you for your own good. And there are things that he has withheld from me for my own good. It's all by his design. And his wisdom, his sovereign, free wisdom, his infinite wisdom is displayed in this decision. And on what basis? Just as he wanted them to be. Second half of verse 18. More briefly, just as he willed, just as he wished. This is what God wants. He wants you to be who you are. He's made you the way you are for a purpose so that you can fulfill his purposes all by his sovereign designs. It doesn't matter if you're a foot or a hand an ear, a nose, an eye. There's a place for you in the body of Christ. We need introverts and extroverts. We need the practical and the impractical. We need the planners and we need the dreamers. We need type A's and type B's. We need every number on the Enneagram scale. We need every combination in the Myers-Briggs personality test. We need them all. We need people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Because this thing, the church, it's bigger than what we can possibly conceive. The church is conceived by God from eternity. This has been His plan To have a people for himself. And it goes all the way back in human history anyway to Father Abraham to say, I'm choosing you. I'm going to bless you. Go where I tell you to go and through you, I'm going to bless the nations. Is your view of God's people that expansive? Well, we all know it tends to happen. Churches tend to to cluster around certain personalities. There are black churches and white churches. There are churches of this socioeconomic status and that socioeconomic status. There are churches that look like this or like that, that favor this or that. We need to see that the body of Christ is so much bigger than that, than our common interest groups. Do you long for the body of Christ to look as it will look in heaven? Or are you satisfied with people that look like you, sound like you, have the same background as you, make about as much money as you? Be honest. Be honest. Are we really comfortable with the Holy Spirit saving anyone and bringing anyone into the body of Christ? Are we prepared for there to be some friction? To, for there to be some discomfort? Surely we don't want somebody that votes like that. Do we? Someone We don't want somebody that, that looks like that, dresses like this, or likes that kind of music. Oh no. Oh no. It all comes back to an inferiority complex, a failure to appreciate the wisdom of God In the diversity of his church. God doesn't want that. God also doesn't want this. The superiority complex that says I don't need them. I don't Need them. This is what we see in verses 21 to 24. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And you can see why the eye and the head might pair up, right? I mean, the, we need our head, of course, and we need our eyes, and, and so they're in close proximity and they're more visible. Surely they can say to the feet, Oh, We don't need you, right? There's no place for you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Underline, indispensable. Necessary. The parts we talk about and the parts we don't talk about. The parts we see and the parts we don't see. We need them. And we need everyone in the body of Christ. All different kinds of people. But when it comes to the superiority complex, this is where our place in the body keeps us from seeing our limitations. Keeps us from seeing our limitations. It's another form of pride. We just don't need that person. We don't need young people. We don't need old people. We don't need this type of person. We're fine just as we are. No. No, we've got to get down off of our high horse to realize that this is all by God's wise design. Just think about your lungs. How often do you really think about your lungs? I don't very often, unless I have a cough. But oh, how we need them. And oh, how disastrous Disastrous it is when our lungs are attacked by a virus. But we don't really see them. We don't think about them. So also with the human body, there are parts that we don't talk about. There are parts that we cover for the sake of modesty. And Paul's saying it's by God's design that it's this way. Can you imagine a church that only consisted of a budget and finance committee? Oh, we'd have a a great budget, maybe plenty of money, but we might miss out on another ministry. Or what if a church just consisted of pastors? How do we decide who's going to preach on any given week? Or if the church just consisted of a building and grounds committee? Oh, we'd have a great building, sure. Sure. But think of all we would be missing. God's wisdom is seen in this. No single part can stand in place of the body. No single part, no single member can stand in place of the whole body. The superiority complex. I don't need them. Be careful that you don't reduce church to what you can see, to what is most visible in our gatherings. Now, let's be honest. Our gatherings mainly hinge on what happens on the Lord's Day, and that's good and that's right, but so much of what happens is up here on this platform, and that is not the sum total of the church And this time that we spend in this building, sitting, this is not the sum total of what the church is to be about. You are the church outside these walls. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? You are the body of Christ, whether gathered or scattered. We are to worship and to witness both inside and outside the church walls. Again, this is not deep logic. This doesn't require any hard thinking. It's, it should be plain, and yet we get it wrong so often, don't we? They don't need me. I don't need them. Inferiority and Superiority. What does God want? He doesn't want those complexes. What does he want? What God wants is complete solidarity. That sounds like this. We need one another. We need one another. And unless your view of the church is that expansive, you don't know the first thing about church. We need to hear you pray if you know Jesus. Pray, sister. Pray, brother. We need you to step up and participate to raise your voice. We want to hear you sing. Yes, we do. In combination with everyone else. Yes. Yes, maybe. But we want to hear your voice. We want you to join in the chorus. We want you to listen to what the conductor is doing, to his directions. And our conductor is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is only because of him that we are in the church. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit intervening in our lives that we can be here. And what he wants is complete solidarity. God has put the body together, God has put the body together. Not the pastor, not a visioning committee, not any group of people. God puts the church together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. God's goal is for there to be no schism, literally, no division, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Not just some, not just for the deacons, not just for the pastor, every part suffers with it. If one is honored, every part rejoices with it. Complete solidarity. Well, we fall short, yes, but this is where God wants to move us. He saves us as individuals. He brings us into his people, the church, but he wants to sanctify you in community with other people. He wants to use their correction. He wants to use their encouragement to build us up until we all reach maturity in Christ and I'm not there yet and neither are you. We need one another. We need one another. And here's how we see God's wisdom in this. Every part, every single, redeemed, blood-bought child of God owes his or her place to the Savior who took His or her place on the cross. You owe your place. I owe my place. We are indebted people. We're not in the church because we checked a box, because we walked down an aisle, because we said certain words, because we were immersed in water, because we went through some ritual. We are in the church Because Jesus Christ stood in our place and absorbed the penalty, the just and holy wrath of God against your sin and my sin. And because the Holy Spirit of God unites us with Him so that we are in Christ, we are one with Him, and we are to live for Him. We are born again, not by our own choosing. We weren't looking for God. He found us. That's the testimony of every true Believer who knows just how amazing the grace of God is. We are indebted people. Indebted people. We owe our life to another who gave his life for us. Do you believe he took your place? Do you believe you need him? And do you believe that in him, You need his body or not. Do you hear Jesus say today, no matter who you are, no matter how far you've wandered, no matter how shallow or superficial your view of church might be, do you hear him say today, you belong To me. You belong to me. Is that enough for you? Or do you think I got it wrong? Because let's be honest, so often we we look around, we say, why does she have a life like that? Why, Why do I have this burden? Why am I dealing with this trial? Why do I have this temptation? And she or he doesn't seem to have any of that. Why this? Why did this happen to me? Is it enough for you to hear Jesus say, you belong to me? And the evidence of that is that I died in your place. That I endured the most unjust, unequal thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. The righteous, holy, innocent Son of God dying for sinners. And it all displays the wisdom of God. Not the wisdom of the world. The world could never concoct something like that. But it's God's infinitely wise plan to display his wisdom and to magnify his glory. So I can't tell you why you have this or that. I can't tell you why this happened or that happened. But I can't extend the invitation from the Lord Jesus, my master, to say to you, you belong to me. Find your place in me because I took your place. You don't have to go fix anything. You don't have to tweak anything. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to say anything. All you have to do is come just as you are. Come just as you are. And find your belonging in Him, and you will never, ever be disappointed. Let's go to Him in prayer. Lord, we thank you for making it so plain to us. And while we will still have questions, we will still have things that that we need to work out, the heart of the matter has been settled. Christ Jesus died for sinners. And we can be declared righteous, we can have just standing before you, our Heavenly Father. Because of Him, on our own, Lord, we confess we're lost, we are hopeless, we are helpless. But in Christ, we are saved, we are made whole, we are freed, freed from the criticism of others who would tell us how to live our lives, freed from those who simply want to critique or tell us you need to be this way or act this way. Lord, in you, we are freed from that to be your redeemed, blood-bought children. I pray, Lord, that we would all, everyone hearing this message, that we would all embrace that reality, that we would answer your call to repent and to put our trust in Christ Jesus, and that you would empower us by your Spirit to live in this body, the church, that we would never take it for granted, that we would treasure it, that we would honor it, that we would do everything we can to play our part in it, all for your glory and for our good. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.